Uh, Ranjita, I think it would be helpful if you could uh, tell the audience, take a minute, you know, what's your role at MasterCard and a little bit about your journey that, that brought you to MasterCard. Sure. So um, currently at MasterCard, I am responsible for what we call our cyber and intelligence business for North America. So that includes all of our traditional fraud capabilities, protecting the network, protecting payments, but also includes a lot of our acquisitions that we've made over the last several years um, in the identity space, in the behavioral biometric space, in the AI space, et cetera, all that goes into protecting our transactions. So, and I'm responsible for that entire business in North America. So how I got there, um, I've been in MasterCard for about almost 10 years now, a long time, longer than I thought I'd ever be. Um, and uh, you know, I've, I've been in about seven of those years, I've kind of been in the, in the fraud and safety and security space. Prior to that, um, I also had lots of uh, fraud and safety security in my, ba in, my, in my background as well. So I was at uh, Morgan Stanley protecting networks and protecting uh, applications as well. So I was in app security and network security at Morgan Stanley. And then I was also at Ernst & Young in their high security lab uh, doing attack and penetration back in the day, this is many, many, many moons ago, attack and penetration testing, uh, protecting a lot of the uh, Fortune 500. Back in the day, it was all websites. So banks were just coming up with, uh, there was no apps, really. Uh, this was in the mid-2000s. And um, it was all websites. So you know every bank was just creating their first website for people to actually log in and, and take a look at their banking information and we used to do attack penetration testing on those. Um, and then also advise them, advise various companies on what their risk posture looks like, what should they be thinking about, um, looking at their software stack and hardware stack, advising on you know, what sorts of controls they should have in place. So with all of that, um, I came into MasterCard and um, funnily enough, fell back into security. Um, it's one of those things, once it catches you, it's, it's hard to let go. So our session title is, is Future Proofing the Digital Evolution of Payments. You know, what do you see as, as the biggest gaps um, that fraudsters are trying to explore, exploit excuse me, um, in the payment space today? So taking a step back for a minute, um, so we are living in a hyper-connected world, right? It's no longer user, server, on-site. It's distributed. We're we're using apps in various different public and private clouds. We're constantly connected. We have we're dealing with maybe 27 billion devices by 2025, 18 trillion volume of payments by 2025. So staggering numbers, huge amount of connectivity, lots of devices. So there's lots of opportunity for fraudsters to come in. Right? Obviously, that's, that's very clear to everybody. And they're exploiting them. What I've seen even in the last 10 years um, at MasterCard is when, when I started MasterCard, yeah, we were protecting payments. Right? That's, that's part of our bread and butter. Um, but we, we soon realized it's that by the time you're protecting the payment at the network, it's almost too late. That is the moment the fraudster is actually monetizing on fraudulent activity that they've committed beforehand. So it's, you know, they've either created an, a fraudulent account through which they're perpetrating the payment, or they've taken over a merchant account 
shockingly, and they're perpetrating a payment through that, or they're testing cards through that, um, or, they've, or they've created a, 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 a fraudulent merchant itself, they're perpetrating fraud through that, right? So um, we then realized very quickly that we need to get into identity. Who are these people? How do we know whether that somebody's, somebody that is creating an account is not a fraudster? Right? So it's important to move away from the payment, a bit further away from the payment, so that we can start to protect the ecosystem further up the chain as opposed to just doing it at the time of payment, when it's, I feel, a little late. So we've invested in identity capabilities that are able to to understand who this user is, so verifying identity up front. Uh, we have invested in behavioral biometrics capabilities so we can tell whether the, a person that's using an app or a website is indeed that person because the, the machine learning and the AI is able to tell whether um, is Todd, is, does Todd look and does he, is he using the site the way that we expect Todd to. Um, so all of those kind of technologies we are starting to put into place to help with, uh, with payments. But th therein lies all the biggest problems, right? I think the fu fun fundamental issue is identity, ensuring that it's the person that you're letting in the door is the right person. Because once you have verified somebody's identity, then the payment and any other access can become really much easier. And not only that, you can provide personalized service to customers if you know who they are. Mm -hmm. Right? Not everybody's bad, obviously, but it's about finding the, finding the right person. You know, in, at this event, um, we'll be talking about faster payments. FedNow is coming, I believe, in July. With this push to be faster with payments, real-time payments, are we as an industry or, or, or either banks or fintechs, are they compromising some security in the hopes of making payments faster? How do you see the balance of kind of that push to real time, but also making sure the, that you know, there's security in place and that they're safe? You're absolutely right. It's all about balance, right? So we, ha we want to make sure that we are making it frictionless for the good consumer, but ensuring that we are not letting in bad actors, right? So now that's not easy to do by any, any means or by any stretch of the imagination, especially in this hyper-connected world, right? So um, it's a matter of getting that balance right. It's a matter of understanding who is coming in. It's a matter of ensuring that while they're in and while transactions are happening, maybe we need AI and machine learning. Fraudsters are using AI and machine learning. Why shouldn't we be doing it, right? AI and machine learning to, to look at what sorts of flows are happening. Are these flows normal? Does it look like this is indeed Todd or does it look like this is somebody else? Does this, does this match? Todd's pattern of use, right? So those sorts of things we should be doing as well, right? Um, and then and then in the UK is a good example. It's a good way to kind of look at things. In the UK, they're starting to say now banks are responsible or financial institutions or fintechs are responsible for um, authorized push payment and scam frauds, right? So that's one of the huge vectors that has kind of really spiked over the last couple of years. And they're saying, okay, financial institution, you're responsible. Now, I think that's a double-edged sword, right? Because when you, when you make the bank responsible, yes, the banks are gonna add a lot of technology, they're gonna try to figure it out, 
But at the same time, what about the person? We also need to educate the consumer. Yeah. Right, because if we say, okay, banks are responsible and the consumers aren't educated, then they're gonna be less, um, maybe they're not gonna be as careful, right? You know, when they say they're sending payment for a golden doodle that never shows up, for example, right? So, um, so you have to be, it, it's a balance of everything and I'm very curious to see how the UK progresses and to see how the US kind of follows or does not follow that, um, to see how, you know, we deal with this, but it's a huge problem. Authorized push payment fraud is a big problem, um, but I think the root of everything is identity and using technology to understand what's going on and collaboration, a little bit of collaboration. Why not? The fraudsters are collaborating. I was right? just about to say, I mean, the, the fraudsters, <laughs> you know, they collaborate online, on Twitter, on Reddit. Should financial institutions, fintechs, I know that there's privacy issues with personal identifiable information, but there should be more collaboration amongst the quote unquote good actors because the bad actors are already doing it. Absolutely, why not, right? Because in this case, we're not really competing. We're competing against a common foe, yeah. right? We, we want to offer our services to customers. At the end of the day, that's what we want to do. But we are all together fighting against this foe. Right? And there's no harm in us collaborating. Why not build consortium models where we can share information about frauds, fraud that's happening in an anonymized, privacy-preserving way so that all financial institutions and fintechs can benefit from knowing that fraud is taking place in certain areas or, or parts of the ecosystem? You're absolutely right. Fraudsters are collaborating, right? There are there is a whole cottage industry of services for fraudsters. <laughs> believe it or not, I was looking yeah. the other day and I saw that there's a service that allows a fraudster to set up a merchant in minutes. There's a service that allows a fraudster to check for um, various parts of a credential to see whether they are whether it's a good credential. These services are being offered to fraudsters by service providers of fraudsters. So it's, it's kind of, they are completely organized. They're acting like an entity. They're acting like an actual corporation that is coming together and bringing resources together and having services to support them. So why shouldn't we do the same? I touched on it briefly before mentioning FedNow, but there are a multitude of payment rails in the US. Obviously, we don't want to go to what the, the China version is, which is obviously government controlled and, and run. But do you see the various different payment rails as a potential security issue in the US? You have the clearinghouse, obviously, you have MasterCard, you have FedNow coming. Is that a potential issue as we continue to evolve on digital payments? And the, you know, the interconnectivity between them, how do you see the, the various payment rails as a um, security problem or not? I think it's an opportunity. I think having the different rails, as long as we make sure that the, the identity and the, um, the technology is applied consistently across all rails, then I think we can have that consistency and it's an opportunity for us to be able to leverage the rails to bring better capabilities to customers, right? At the end of the day, that's what, that's what we all wanna do. Um, and I'm not opposed to various, having various rails. I don't think it should just be one. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do think that a level of consistency when it comes to security and safety sh should be applied on all rails so that no matter how you you end up transacting. Frankly, the customer may not even know 
yeah. how or which rail they're on, right? And they, they shouldn't. They might not even care. And they might not even care, <laughs> yeah. right? But it's our responsibility as practitioners in the industry to make sure that no matter what rail they end up on for various reasons, that their transaction is safe and secure and that they can use it with confidence. Because if the consumer loses, if the customer loses confidence in the system, yeah. then we're all in trouble. Right? Then they're just not going to, um, they're not going to adopt the technologies like we would love them to. Right? So that's something to watch out for. What about you know, the issue of, you know, the, there's this new, better, faster, slicker technology today, but a lot of players in the space, banks, um, and even some fintechs, are working with technology that doesn't necessarily measure up in terms of the legacy technology that they already have. How do you see you know, the security issue with legacy interacting with new technology and, and maybe some of the gaps that exist there and, and how that might be addressed as we continue to push towards faster, cheaper um, payments uh, in the future? Yeah, um, that, is something, that is something that I am concerned about. So we are dealing with these different stacks Mm -hmm. Right, one which is a more of a legacy stack, and certain of the large financial institutions, it takes them a while to get get that changed over to the new stack. Whereas fintechs are usually starting on the more yeah. um, advanced stack. Right, so um, as this transition happens, we have to be careful to ensure that there aren't any loopholes or things that the fraudsters are able to able to attack the system through the legacy stack. You know, um, so as these transitions happen, we have to ensure that that doesn't happen, right? So we have to be careful. We have to ensure that we're doing testing to ensure that if there are any holes, that those get plugged along the way, um, and that eventually, as we move out of these old stacks into the new, um, that there are that we're not introducing any issues into the ecosystem, and we're dealing with that at Mastercard too, mm -hmm. right? So at Mastercard, we have certain pieces of technology that are built on the new stack, and then we have this whole modernization um, um, initiative going on as well, where we're going to modernize our edge. Um, so as as we keep doing that, and we'll continue to do that, that's a reality that all companies have to face, especially mm -hmm. the large ones that have been around for many decades and have built up a stack of capabilities on older platforms. Um, we'll have to continue to do that, but it's a matter of taking that cautious approach to ensure that while we want to keep functionality going, that we don't leave any loose ends open and vulnerabilities open for fraudsters. If anyone has questions, you can scan the QR code. We'll, we'll turn to those questions in just a minute here. But um, you know, looking a bit into uh, the future before we answer some audience questions, you know, how much secure are payments versus maybe where they are today? And you know, within five years, do you think we're mostly at real-time payments across the ecosystem, or is this still an evolving? Um, evolution that, that you know, payments are, are still kind of lagging behind maybe in some areas in the ecosystem? Um, I think it's, it's an evolution. I think we'll get there. I think we'll get to real-time payments um, eventually, but I think it's still uh, an evolution to get there. Um, some of the things that I think we need to watch out for are safety and security. Like I said, if consumers don't trust the system, they will not use it. Mm -hmm. um, or they will use it for use cases that aren't as high value, 
right? So um, we have to ensure that that is protected. I think I think I read a recent research that said that 96% of cons customers want to ensure that their account safety, that the safety of their accounts and how the account information is obtained is, is top of their mind, right? Over 90% of customers. So unless we get it out to them that this is, we, we understand um, their concerns and that their concerns are top of mind as we build the apps, you know, we will have to, we'll have to convince them of that before they will come. So we have a few audience questions here with, uh, with our time left. Um, what do you think financial institutions should do to combat online scams and authorized payment fraud beyond education and awareness? So one of the things that we are starting to do is, one, AI and machine learning, right? So AI can help to, to tell whether certain payments that are going through are normal or abnormal. The other thing we could do is build consortium models whereby many banks or financial institutions contribute to a, a model around money movement, and then that can give you information about whether when the model runs and when money is moving, it can tell you whether this is something that should be flagged or not. So those are some of the things that we're already experimenting at MasterCard, and we are working with certain banks in the UK already to, to do that. And so we hope to bring that to Canada next and, and hopefully the US as well. Uh, you mentioned using behavior biometrics. Um, where do you expect the industry to head? They mentioned reg legislation. I don't want to get bogged down in the legislative conversation, but um, the second part of the question, I think, is will privacy concerns continue to escalate? I think privacy is something that we are always have to be mindful of. Behavioral biometrics is about you know how a person is using their device to do certain things on their device, and knowing that Todd behaves in a certain way when they're using their device, and then knowing that perhaps that account has been taken over, and today Todd is not behaving in that in the way that the normal pattern of of Todd behavior, right? So. Privacy is always going to be a concern. It's something that we've, we have to balance um, when it comes to safety and security. Safety and security and privacy kind of go hand in hand, right? So we have to make sure that we are protecting the ecosystem without spooking the consumer and making sure that we are adhering to all of the privacy regulations that are around. What is your time frame to be able to deploy AI as you, as you suggested to confirm identities? Um, we are already doing it, okay. right? So at MasterCard, we're already doing that. Uh, we already have AI and machine learning models that have been around for a while, obviously protecting payments. Now we have integrated in um, machine learning models that are able to look at money flows and identify anomalies there. We have acquired assets in the identity space uh, that we are now bringing into the payment data as well. Um, so things like more dynamic PII data, like email, telephone, IP, etc., to see whether those triangulate to, to a specific person, um, or whether maybe it's a synthetic ID or, or some other type of um, um, Fraud, fraudulent activity going on. And this will be our last question. Uh, FedNow will not be frictionless. Do you feel adoption will be impacted or limited to the highest of risk transactions? 
Um, it's a good question. Um, it's possible that it will be limited, uh, at least initially, until uh, you know, until we get a good handle and until the consumer gets a good handle on how it works, what are the, the constraints to it. It could be limited initially, but I do see that eventually it, it, it could take off. Well, Ranjita, I, I thank you very much for um, you know the time here, uh, and uh, I thought it was an interesting conversation. And um, you know, thank you to the audience for listening. Thank you.